All right, and here we are for a second, finally, episode of uh, Quick Whistle. What's up, Janelle? Hey, what's up? It's, a, it's been a kind of a quiet week, you know, in the sports world. I was thinking about, like, what we were going to talk about, and honestly, I mean, it was a great weekend of college football, but other than that, this week's been kind of quiet. Yeah, it has been. There, You would think with, like, hockey starting and NBA starting in about two weeks that you would hear a little more especially with, like, Jimmy Butler trade potential and, and some of those things, but not really hearing much, and that's all right. We still found some stuff to talk about, so mm-hmm. um, I guess we'll jump into it um, with uh, leading up to this week's press conferences, Nick Saban calling out Alabama students for uh, for not showing up to their games. Yeah, yeah. Um... I mean, I think that's tough because, like, they won 56 to 14. I mean, they were playing Louisiana Lafayette, and the game kicked at 11 o'clock in the morning. And I mean, I know when I was a student, I mean, thank God we didn't have 11 o'clock games because it was hard enough getting up for noon. So, I mean, I gotta, I'm gonna chalk that up to competition. You know, they, and honestly, like, really, there was nothing at stake. Uh, we knew they were gonna win. They knew they were gonna, you know, win big and. Who really wants to pay, you know, to go see a game where they're going to be winning big by halftime? I mean, to me, I don't really, I don't read too much into that. I mean, I understand, you know, not every school's like that. But I I know personally, I don't like going to poor games or games like that because it just gets really boring after a while. Yeah, it really does. Uh, The bigger thing I think out of all that was, I think it was Kirk Herbstreit took a video of Penn State students and fans singing Sweet Caroline at the Ohio State game this weekend during the whiteout, and uh, an Alabama long snapper quoted, quote tweeted it and said, must be nice to have people come to your games. Uh, I think that was the bigger thing out of all of the Nick Saban stuff was that, you know, their players are noticing it at this point now that, that you know, and maybe it's just the schedule, but people aren't showing up. Yeah, I mean, I would, you know, I would think some of that is they're spoiled because they're so used to winning, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that most of their games aren't considered big games anymore because they're usually big favorites. And I don't think you can really compare the Penn State-Ohio State game to Alabama-Louisiana-Lafayette, or, yeah, Louisiana-Lafayette. Yeah. I mean, Penn State was hosting the defending Big Ten champion in a game with big conference title and college football playoff, you know, implications. While Alabama's playing a team that is, you know, they're expected to roll against. So I don't really think you can compare the two because, you know, had Penn State been playing, you know, a lesser program than they were, you know, they probably wouldn't have had as many students either. Uh, but this is their big whiteout game. This was their Super Bowl. So it didn't surprise me that they were sold out, you know, right as soon as the gates opened. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think if it's, you know, if it becomes a problem when they're playing Auburn or they're playing, uh, well, they're at LSU, but if they're playing some of these bigger games, uh, then it's then it's something for them to look at because then it's they're doing something. Or it's just the students, like you said, are just feeling too entitled, knowing, thinking they, they know that they're going to win no matter who they play because that's all we've heard is it's Alabama this year, and then it's everybody else. Everyone's just playing for second place. Let's just give Alabama the title now. 
Exactly. I mean, if people aren't showing up to the Iron Bowl at the end of the year, then I might be, you know, concerned, you know, if I was, if I were Alabama. But until that point comes, I wouldn't read too much into it. I mean, I understand you always want your stands to be full, but the reality is, is that people just don't want to see bad football games, you know, that, you know, most people don't want to go see blowouts. Um, I know when I was a student at Ohio State, we played Florida A&M, and I think we won like 72 to nothing. And I stayed for the whole game because that's what I'm about. But a lot of people left, and I don't blame people at all for that because at that point it's just like, man, this is awful. Like, can we just call this? This is awful. Yeah, I remember that game. That one, I think it didn't help, too, being in school, and that game was 90-something degrees, and you're sitting mm-hmm. Heat and it was a noon game and so it was already hard enough to wake up and then all of a sudden now it's three o'clock and it's still the third quarter and you just want to leave and go watch other football and, and get into air conditioning exactly because you're just sweating and it's not football weather at all and so it's just it's gross and I mean I can't imagine it's you know particularly cool right now for Alabama football games yeah you know, I'm sure it's still relatively hot yeah I'd imagine so I think um, – I also think part of it is, like we said, you know, they're playing these nobodies at home right now. I think when they start playing, you know, better games, first off, we'll just see what kind of a team Alabama really is because um, they gave up some points to Texas A&M, who looks just kind of average SEC team right now. Yep. And if they're giving up points to Texas A&M, I'm interested to see what – Auburn, what LSU and what Georgia can do, because as much as we think Alabama's in- incredible, which they look at right now, uh, we haven't seen Tua in a legit road game where it's you know a really good defense because uh, A&M has holes all over its defense. Absolutely, that's that's what I'm most excited for because I don't think we know anything about Alabama yet. No, I don't think we do either. Um, and we mentioned it uh, talking about the crowd, but the whiteout game. And the uh, the fourth down and five call at at Ohio State Penn State. Yeah. Um, so I was at the game as I said last week, and I'll tell you, like I was watching, you know, the game, you know, kind of being there. And when Ohio State scored to take the lead, I looked at the clock and saw there was still two minutes to go, and I was like, uh oh, this, you know, this ends with right away. I'm thinking this ends with heartbreak. This is going to end with Trace McSorley driving down the field either they're kicking a game-winning field goal or he's going to score a touchdown like I had already kind of resigned myself I did not trust the Ohio State defense to be able to stop him because quite frankly they hadn't stopped him all game so then you know they get into the fourth and five situation and mind you I mean there were three timeouts called you know Ohio State called one and Penn State called two so I'm thinking there's no way Trace McSorley doesn't have the ball on this play. And all I was thinking is I hope Ohio State has a spy on him for this particular play. When he handed off to Miles Sanders, you've never heard, I mean, 110,000 people were just, it it was just a state of shock. Like what? Like it it was so, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, that's my school. I you know, it was great to see them come out away with a W, but I just do not understand that play call in that moment. I mean, Trace McSorley had, you know, most of their yards between his passing and running. I just, I don't understand the thinking that goes behind that play call. 
Yeah, I didn't get it. Um, and being able to rewatch it and see it on replay, like I know you were there live, and just me being able to watch it on TV and see the replays and and all the different angles ESPN had. Uh, you know, maybe maybe if they don't. If the defense doesn't call the right play, if, if Greg Schiano and and the defensive staff don't know, don't think they know what's coming, and they call the wrong, you know, the wrong stunt, maybe it does work. Maybe they maybe they fool them. Uh, I still think it was weird to take the ball out of a guy who had set a school record for yardage in a game at like four hundred sixty something yards. I think it's weird to take the ball out of his hands or even have the option to take the ball out of his hands. It should have been. It should have been an you know, RPO. I mean, you at least give him the chance to either keep it or, or, or pass it off. Like, at least let him have the opportunity to make a play. But you take it out of his hands and you give it to Miles Sanders, who wasn't able to do anything all night, essentially, against that, that you know, defensive front for Ohio State. It was just a very bizarre. It was very bizarre. The whole game was bizarre. Yeah, it really was because um, every, everyone kind of started slow. Um, you know, Penn State moved the ball but got field goals. Ohio State didn't really do much until they got that fumble uh, fumble recovery inside Penn State's 50-yard line and got, you know, touchdown two plays later. Um, I mean, But I keep coming like that fourth and five call just seems weird. But then again, Ohio State had the right defensive setup for it and they ran the right, you know, the right motion with uh, – with Chase Young, instead of staying to the outside, he came up the middle and the center had moved up field, get a downfield block and didn't see him. And the guy who Chase Young lined up over top of, you know, uh, whoever was the defensive tackle on that play pushed, uh, pushed their right guard two yards off the line of scrimmage backwards. And it kept the right tackle from being able to get over and even push Chase Young just past the hole. Yeah, I mean, he went, and all he went up the middle un, almost untouched. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, Sanders he didn't have a shot. Move. No, he made – Chase Young made one move and then was just staring there, and Sanders had nowhere to go. He couldn't go outside either way, and up the middle was, was taken away at that point. And it, it was weird to see afterward, too, James Franklin say, like, that's on me, but not really giving much other than, yeah, that was on me. Like, what did you? Yeah, see? we should have called like, something different. Okay, well, what did you see that you called that? That I mean, that was just that's what we don't really have an answer to. And Trace McSorley, and I mean, this may have just been him not wanting to throw his coach under the bus. He defended the offensive coordinator and said, you know, we all agreed that that was the right play call, and you know that basically Ohio State did something different on defense. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that is what it was. I I don't know enough on uh, the defensive coordinating side of the ball to, to know, you know, how they lined up. And I didn't see the first two, you know, before the timeouts, I never really showed that to see how, how they lined up that time and how they lined up differently on other timeouts. But I will say this. The only reason Ohio State was in that game is Drew Chrisman. Yeah. Uh, because he was – Ohio State was able to control field position the entire game. I mean, until yeah. the very end on – which – I know Dwayne Haskins did not have a great game, although, I mean, he's 22 of 39 for 270 yards and three touchdowns. So that's not awful, but he started out so slow. I mean, it wasn't great. But um, aside from, like, the last part of the game where Ohio State was pinned deep, he pretty – Chrisman pretty much kept them in the game by keeping Penn State, you know, pinned back the whole game. Yeah, he did. Uh, I think he had a couple 50-yard punts, a couple – 
you know, around the 45 yard length and pinned them inside the 20 a couple times and, and really flipped the field um, and at least made any Penn State scoring drive have to be longer yes. um, and make them work. And and I think Franklin said it in the post-game press conference or the press conference the next day that uh, that his team was tired by the fourth quarter. Yeah. Which that's that's not something you should have happen, uh, especially if you're, you're a team like Penn State. You should be better conditioned – uh, they, they, I mean, that's that's on him. That's 100% on him and his coaching staff for not having them in the best condition they could have been in. Right. And, I mean, I would also say that um, the one thing I found bizarre is that with eight minutes to go, when Ohio State really got rolling, that stadium was celebrating as if they had already won the game. I mean, they were playing, you know, the music to celebrate. They, You know, they were kind of coasting right down to the field. I mean, even if you – I rewatched it, and if you look at James Franklin, you'll see he uh, he was doing some celebrating of his own, and his players were kind of conducting the crowd. And if there's one thing anybody should have learned about this game over the past three years, it's that it is not over until it's over. I mean, we, we saw in 2016 – Ohio State led 24-7 going into the fourth quarter and lost. Last year, Penn State takes a 15-point lead into the fourth quarter and lost. Um, so, I mean, that is definitely something I think, you know, going forward, James Franklin is going to have to be careful with, is making sure that you play complete games. And kind of to your point about the whole, you know, his players were tired, uh, one thing a lot of Penn State fans have been talking about is how much uh, Franklin had been rotating some of their younger guys in over the first four weeks. That's all well and good until you get into a game where you need your veterans to play four quarters and you need them to be in the condition to play four quarters. And they clearly weren't. Um, and, you know, they, they came up short, be, you know, maybe because of it. Um, because I know that's one thing, you know, I know Ohio State and uh, – Coach Mick Marotti, I, I know they they harp on conditioning and being able to, you know, be the fastest team and be the strongest team so that they can outlast their opponents. So that was one thing I found particularly interesting about the whole thing. Yeah, uh, the other thing I've, I've found interesting was some of those decisions. You know, I think in the past you said if you're inside the the visiting fifty yard line, that's go for it territory on fourth and close. That's you know, you're not kicking field goals. You're going for it when you're on the 20. You're not punting from your from the visiting 39. I mean, there was one of those plays they punted. For, they had the ball. It was like fourth and five on, on Ohio State's 39-yard line, and they took a delay a game. And it was the one that they, they dropped it into the five-yard line, four-yard line that set up that touchdown drive by Haskins. But, you know, you, you've said for a while that, you know, that's go for a territory, and then – in a game like that, you don't go for it. It seems a little interesting. Uh, all that, all that you've kind of said in the past. Yeah, I mean, there was just a lot from Saturday to take in from that whole game, from like the play calling, and then after the game, he, Jay Franklin got weird, you know, with the the student walking off the field. You know, when he was going to the tunnel, the student called out from. Uh, you know, the stands and said, James, you know, I love you, but that was a bad play call. And James Franklin kind of got heated with the student and had to be kind of restrained from going back, you know, to physically get into it with the student. You know, those are things that you just can't do. You can't, you know, you don't engage with a student like that. You just keep walking. 
And, you know, for somebody who then after the game was talking about, you know, we're a great program when we lost to an elite program, I think that's the difference between, like, an elite coach and a great coach. Like, you would never see Nick Saban getting into it with a student on the sideline, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know what you think, but I just don't think it would happen. No, I don't think you would ever hear of Nick Saban or Urban Meyer or some of those other coaches in the past even, uh, like Bowden and even uh, maybe maybe not to an extent Pete Carroll. I think Pete Carroll might have done it just because of, that's who he is. Uh, he'll defend himself to the death. But you don't see it from, from some of these other coaches. Um, you know, they'll defend their play calling in press conferences. They'll defend everything in press conferences. You don't see, you know, conversations with students, um, especially ones that were that that passive aggressive, where the kid just said, "Hey, that's a bad play call," and and immediately you hear James Franklin, "Thanks for the input." You know, that that's a it's a kind of a cop out. Just walk into the locker room and, and deal exactly. with it after. Exactly. Um, um, I, I don't yeah, know. This week, yeah, this weekend, uh, there's. There's some good games. Um, there's Notre Dame, Virginia Tech Saturday night, um, which I think is Notre Dame's last yes. real test. Uh, I think the rest of their schedule is garbage from here out. USC is not good. Um, they already beat Stanford. They already beat Michigan. I don't think there's too much left on their schedule other than this trip to Virginia Tech. Um, we could be looking at. You know, Notre Dame making the playoff here potentially if they go undefeated. Their schedule now. So they have Virginia Tech, Pitt, who is terrible, Navy. The only thing about Navy is that weird – I mean, they run the triple option. So, I mean, not – and that game's at 8 o'clock too. That's ridiculous. But, uh, I mean, that yeah. could cause them some issues on defense. Will it slow them down? You know, is it going to slow them down enough to, you know, have them be upset? I doubt it. Uh, Northwestern. Although I think Northwestern kind of blew it over the weekend. They definitely should have beat Michigan. Uh, so I'm not sure they'll be able to keep – and, I mean, Notre Dame beat Michigan. Uh, Florida State, nope. Syracuse and USC, nah. I don't, I don't see it happening. I think if they win this weekend, I think you can pencil them in for the playoff. Yeah, I agree. And looking at other games, too, uh, you got – Clemson playing Wake Forest, which Clemson struggled against Syracuse, but that's a much better Syracuse team than we've seen in the past. Um, but they did come back with, you know, a backup for their freshman superstar um, and, and won that game. And I'm, I'm glad to see that, that Trevor Lawrence is okay and that he's going to keep playing and he'll probably be available this weekend. But, you know, they, they don't look like the Clemson team that no. everyone thought they were going to be. Like that defensive line is great, but – there's a lot of holes on that team outside of outside of running back, um, slot receiver, and defensive line. There's a lot of holes that, right that a lot of teams can exploit. Like I was looking at some of the bowl projections, and right now the playoff is projected to be Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame. So I could see – it'd be interesting to see how those teams matched up. I mean, obviously, you know, Alabama – is going to be favored to win it all. Um, but I know Ohio State has, you know, in recent history struggled with Clemson, and I think this might be the year they could actually match up well with them, but you never know. 
yeah, it's going to be an interesting playoff if that's how it ends up actually holding out. But Clemson still has to get, you know, they'll get through the ACC more than likely to that championship game. And then it just depends on who they play. You know, if it's, if it's Miami, it's going to be a much different Miami team than we saw that first weekend against LSU. They'll be more settled in. They'll be a lot better uh, than they were that first weekend. And, and that could even be well, a really good yeah, game. Yeah, for there. sure. Uh um, other games this weekend, uh, LSU is going to Florida. Um, number five, LSU versus number twenty-two, Florida. Surprisingly, that Florida is four and one. I was not expecting that. Um, it's it's cool to see though. Um, you know, it's going to be a good, good old-fashioned SEC game down there. Then uh, you know, Joe Burrow's been been great for LSU, whether it's just game managing like he did against Miami or, or making big throws like he did against Auburn. I still fully expect LSU to win, but I will say I think the Swamp is probably a tough place to play, uh, especially when they're good. Yeah. I, I mean, think- obviously it's easy to be up when you're good, but, I, I mean, I've just, you know, living in Florida, living in Orlando, knowing people that went to school there, uh, it's it's loud. It's a tough place to play. Yeah, and uh- – I think, I think that's going to be like the equalizers. I think LSU is probably the more talented team. Uh, I think Joe Burrow even said it um, on an interview with uh, 97.1 in Columbus. Um, he said, you know, LSU's talent at the top level is comparable, but Ohio State, like comparing it to Ohio State where he transferred from, um, you know, Ohio State has more depth, but the talent level at the top is very similar. So I think LSU is just – more talented than Florida, but that that stadium is going to end up kind of equalizing that out. We'll, I feel like that game is going to be in like that three to ten range of a like a for a, a point spread for the final score. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Yeah. And then uh, the last big game this weekend: uh, Texas and Oklahoma Red River rivalry in Dallas. And that's a uh, top twenty matchup. So that should be that one will be interesting because we'll really see what Texas is. Yeah, because I feel is. like we don't really know. I right. feel like yeah, they got they got blown out again by Maryland for the, yep. the second straight year, but then they've put they've put together some good games, beating TCU and uh, taking care of a couple other you know games that they easily sh- that they should have won. Um, we'll really I think we'll really find out what what Texas is against Oklahoma. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I just, and I, I mean, I feel like, well, I mean, who would have thought that this would be a, a ranked matchup at the beginning of the season? You know, I certainly didn't think Texas, I mean, I know people that are, you know, big Texas fans get upset about this, but I mean, they just have not been good. So I really wasn't sure what to expect out of them. So, you know, I think we're going to find out a lot about both teams. I do think Oklahoma is very good. I do think they're dangerous. Um, I am curious to see like what the score looks like. You know, is it going to be a shoot like a regular Big Twelve shootout, yeah. or are these defenses going to come to play? Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, Kyler Murray is one hundred percent the real deal, and I don't know if it's you know someone brought up the point the other day. Is it is it Lincoln Riley because uh, he's you know his system wherever he's been has, has produced incredible quarterbacks, whether it was, you know, with Baker last year, Kyler Murray this year, the, the, you know, when he was at, 
I think it was East Carolina. Their quarterback there was great, or at least put up numbers. Um, I'm waiting to see if it's – and I think it, last year it was just Baker. It was a combination yes. of the two because Baker's good. Uh, I'm waiting to see if that's what it is with Kyler Murray, if it's just a – if it's a system thing for him. And I think this is this is their first big test, and we'll see what he's Definitely. made of too. And then uh, I guess – where the NFL is concerned, Le'Veon Bell said he plans to return over the Steelers by week, uh, rejoin them before week eight. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately for the Steelers, their season could be lost by then. You know, they may be, they may be out of it. I mean, they have not looked good at all. I mean, they have looked terrible. Yeah. It's been really weird to see, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is leading the league in passing yards, but or is second in the league in passing yards, one of the two. But it's because they can't really do much else right now, and it's strange to see the Steelers not, you know, not running the ball. and And James Conner was great opening, you know, opening game. He's great catching the ball out of the backfield. We've seen that, and it takes, but it, sometimes it takes him, you know three quarters to finally get going. And we saw that, I think it was week three, he had 40 something yards or 60 something yards in the, in the fourth quarter against Tampa Bay. Uh, but only Here's 20 up to that you. point. If you're the Steelers, do you want him back? I think it depends on where you're at record wise. If you're, um, you know, if you're still in the hunt and you're, you know, a chance for a wild card spot or, um, you know, somehow, you know, they string a couple wins together the next couple games and and are right there for the division lead with the Bengals and the Ravens and, and now the Browns even, who've looked a lot better. Um, I think at that point you want him back because he, he is that big of a, a difference maker with, with how he runs the ball. He's just incredible. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're staring down the barrel of a, a – Four win, 11, 11 loss and one tie season, and a, and a top ten pick. I think at that point, no, you, you just want to take the take the games, go get whatever draft pick you're going to get, and and get out of I the feel season. Like they could dump him off on some team that would overpay, or they'd give him, you know, they'd give up way too much for him. The Jet, I mean, we've talked about it. The Jets yeah. would be an excellent option. Yeah, you can get some defensive playmakers off the Jets. Um, they don't have much on the offensive side of the ball that, that you'd want if you're the Steelers. But, you know, if you think James Conner can can figure out what he got right in week one and, and continue to do it, and you want to stick with him, um, you don't really need another offensive playmaker as long as you can get him going. He'll match up with, with Brown and, and Ben really well. Um I think the bigger thing is their defense has looked so bad. I mean, it can be they can they can get the forty yard touchdown or they can give up you know a ton of forty yard touch, forty yard plays. It's it's crazy yeah, to see a Steelers it, I mean, defense this, is, this, this bad. It's going to take a while to rebuild their defense. I mean, they and they really miss the leadership of a linebacker like Shazier. And unfortunately, I mean that's it. Like I hate what happened to him, um, but they have not found a replacement for him. They have not recovered. No, they have. It's it's not easy to find a guy that 
that is that fast and that athletic uh, that can cover a tight end, can cover a running back, can cover a slot receiver, but can also hit, you know, he can, he can blitz, he can, he can make open field tackles. Um, he, he was an all around linebacker and th- that's such a hard thing to find. And I don't know where they would find that if that's in, the, if there's even one of those coming in the draft anytime yeah, soon. I, not, I don't really I'm know. Not, I don't know. I mean, I just, I know it's not good in Pittsburgh. And I mean, honestly, they'd be better off. I mean, going eight and eight gets them nothing. That gets them absolutely nothing. Nine and seven, that doesn't do anything. Uh, if you're, I mean, if you're going to be bad, then be bad. Go all in on having a, a top 10 pick, in my opinion. Yep. Be bad for a year. Suck it up. Deal with whatever fan bases. You know, whether it's the if you finish at the bottom of the division, you finish at the bottom of the division for a year. Like, bite that bullet one time. Get yourself a high draft pick. Get yourself some playmakers uh, in the first and second rounds, and and you know, figure out a way to to make that defense better and to figure out what you're going to do with Le'Veon Bell. Baker Mayfield is good, but I'm not ready to crown him Brett Favre or John Elway of this era. No, I'm not either. Um, he has been – he looks like he's going to be what the Browns have been missing for years, which is a stable quarterback. Um, they really haven't had anyone remotely stable since – I think it's like 10-plus years when they went – there was the one year they went 10-6 and six and they had uh, – I think it was Charlie Fry was their quarterback, and but he'd been there for two or three years at that point um, and finally got a chance to start. I think – they finally found a stable quarterback that can win games, um, that isn't afraid to throw downfield, that can run the ball. And I think they just need to find the rest of, of their playmakers now, uh, whether it's on, you know, on especially on defense. I think that's where they need to, yeah, exactly. to find some playmakers. I, mean, I actually think they're going to be decent as these, you know, as they continue to grow and build their team. I'm just not ready to say he's, you know, that Mayfield is Brett Favre yet. I mean, I think I think the sample size is, you know, early returns are good, but it's a small sample size, and we need to see, you know, how he does going forward. Um, yeah, we are only looking at we are only looking at one start. What is it? one start, two starts? Um, we're not looking at much from him yet. I mean, he had the 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 great game, um, and when he came in and, and they won, um, you know, he played great against the Jets on Thursday night football. Um, granted, you know, it is, it is the Jets, uh, but a win's a win in the NFL. And that was their first yeah, one in exactly. 600 days or something like that. I mean, so, I mean, I don't think much else happened in the NFL this week. It was kind of a quiet week. Oh, Mahomes. No. Um, I mean, sticking. With the, with the Browns, sticking with the Browns, there was Jabril Peppers just thinking that people hate him because he went to Michigan, and not you know thinking that the, he he's he's thinking Browns fans are wishy washy because they don't like him as a kick returner or I mean, really as a defensive if he was player. Good at his job. I mean that's they wish washy to say. Yeah, that's that's the least wishy washy fan base I've seen. Um, they stuck with that team through whatever Hugh Jackson's record is 
you know, for the last three years, one, like one in 30 something over two years, you know, they, they stuck with them through them through that. They're, they're definitely not wishy-washy. They, no, they're there for, for everything. If, gone to Michigan, if he was actually, you know, good at what he does, they would not care. They, they would look past it. I mean, as a Steeler fan, exactly. You know, growing uh, up, I mean, Lamar Woodley, he played for Michigan when he got drafted to the Steelers, and I mean, he played on some of the Super Bowl teams. Nobody cared. I certainly did not care. You know, Larry Foote played for Michigan. You know, and he also played for the Steelers. Very quickly, people forget about the past if you're helping, you know, another team of theirs win. Yep, exactly. It's it's more of a what are you doing for me now? Like you know, like you said, Lamar Woodley, I I couldn't stand him at Michigan and then he gets drafted by the Steelers and, and being a Steelers fan, like you know, it, it makes it easy to, to root exactly. for the guy because now he's helping you win and you're not playing against him every weekend. Or you know, you're not playing against him anymore, you're you've got him on your on your side exactly. and he was he was so, damn I mean, good. I think he's kind of overblowing it and he Probably should just focus on doing his job the right way and making plays for the Browns. Yeah. yeah. Not running into your uh, kickoff coverage team after 12 yards. Not calling for a fair catch with no one exactly. or, with no one within 20 yards of you. Like that. Like that, that kind of stuff is what, what gets fans turned against you when you can make plays exactly. and, and you don't. Um. And then I guess the other big story is still Mahomes. This man is just on a tear. This is ridiculous. Yeah, um, we were talking before, but he, you know, Monday night in Monday Night Football, he broke the the Broncos record thirty something games without a three hundred yard passer. And you know, I think he put up one hundred fifty or so of those in the fourth quarter and came back from down ten. To, to lead that team to a win. Um, he's just been incredible. Every receiver he throws to is open, whether it's, you know, by play design or him just throwing them open. They are always open. Uh, and he's just making Absolutely. sure he gets the ball where he and needs they, to put it. Do they, they play the Jags this week. That's an excellent game. Yeah, they do play the Jags. That's one I'm – that's a huge test because that's – that's going up against arguably the best corner in the NFL right yeah, now, and Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, a lot of people hate on Jalen for talking trash, but he backs it up. He backs it up. Oh yeah, he he, he did that to Gronk. He said that that they'd shut him down, and I think that game against the Patriots this year, he had Gronk had three catches for forty yards, no touchdowns. Like was was double covered all game, didn't really get any targets. Um, he, he backs up what he says, and, and he's damn good at just being in the right spot, too. I'm reading what, I mean, what Jalen said about Tyreek Hill. He's good for what he does for their team. He made all pros a return specialist. Let's get that right as a return specialist, his rookie year. He went to two pro bowls as a return specialist, two years. I made all pro in my position as a corner. I went to the pro bowl as a corner. So it's not wide receiver versus corner matchup. So we can get that out of the way right off the bat. He he talks a big game. I can't wait to see how he does this weekend. He, I feel like, because him going to Florida State too, I feel like he's just the next Deion Sanders. 
uh, I mean, he he runs his mouth yeah. and he backs so it I'm up. I'm really looking it's forward incredible. to that game. That ought to be one. Of, that's probably my favorite. That's probably the game I'm looking forward to most this I'm weekend. Just, oh, for sure. I'm taking a look at stats right now from Mahomes real quick. Uh, he's already thrown through four games. He's thrown for 1,200 yards. 14 touchdowns and no interceptions. And that, I mean, that no interceptions is just, just yeah, that's, ridiculous. That's wild. That's wild. So it'll be interesting to see how, like, the NFL's best yeah. offense does this weekend. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, there's not too much else in the NFL game-wise. Rams, Seahawks, um, Browns, Ravens, uh, I think it's Dolphins, Bengals, two division leaders that no one saw leading the division through four weeks. Uh, Other than that, there's not much in the NFL this week. No. Uh, There's nothing nothing too noteworthy. The only thing that I could really think about for the NBA is that, you know, what Kyrie said to, you know, about being willing to stay in Boston, which is a big deal. Yeah, that was something people had speculated for a while that that he was just a rental for Boston, and that uh, as soon as he gets the chance to to go to a New York or a Brooklyn, because uh, he's from the the northern New Jersey, you know, right around New York City area, um, they said as soon as he gets the chance to to head out and, and get to one of those big cities right there, that he was going to, to to get close to home and to play in that big market and try to bring in a Jimmy Butler. Um, even now Kevin Durant's being talked about going to the Knicks next summer. Um, for him to, him to give that commitment today and say, if you guys are willing to have me, like I'm, I'm here for the long haul to go with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, uh, whatever's left on Al Horford's contract. Oh yeah. Uh, that team is going to be scary for a long time. They can keep, that's going to be, that's going to be very, that's terrifying. Yeah, because it, it just feels like it's a it's a younger, uh, not as beat up Warriors, uh, you know, that just needs a year or two to, to settle mm-hmm. into that mode the way that Brad Stevens has been coaching them. Um, and he's just an incredible coach. He's going to get the best out of all his guys, whether they're, you know, you know first-round picks, you know, top three guys like Brown and Tatum. Uh, Kyrie was number one overall. If you're, if you're Gordon Hayward, who he coached in college, uh, or if you're a guy like Marcus Smart or Marcus Morris that, that don't really, you know, that contribute, especially on the defensive end, he's going to get the most out of you um, exactly. and, and put that team in a position exactly. to win every single night. But I'm kind of looking at, yeah, I mean, that's that's really all me. And I guess we're, you know, we're into preseason. I know the Heat are still pushing the Wolves to accept their revised offer for Jimmy. We'll see, you know, what Tibbs does where that's concerned. Yeah, the the good thing for the Heat is that uh, Whiteside played pretty well in that that preseason game the other night for the Heat. Um, you know, he looks like he might, if he continues to work at it, you know, might be a good piece for um, for for Minnesota unless they try to you know take him on and then and then deal him later um, as a salary cap dump or and something depending on how the season goes. For switching them. sports, I'm just looking at scores. Meanwhile, the Dodgers are up for nothing. 
Yeah, that that kind of going to happen. Um, that's a young, young Braves team. Uh, I think they've got like a 19-year-old um, who's been a phenom this year playing Acuna, left field. Yeah. Um, Acuna. Um, I mean, he's been incredible, but this is a young team other than uh, Freddie Freeman and Nick Marcakis. You know, I'm looking at their, their roster for today's game, and I don't see a name other than those two the Dodgers are about that I really fans. recognize. Yeah, that's the big thing is the Dodgers. I mean, they, you know, I think they threw Kershaw tonight. Um, maybe. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but, I mean, it's guys that have all been in the playoffs. Oh, they threw uh, Ryu tonight. But, I mean, Jack Peterson played in the playoffs last year. Justin Turner played in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Manny Machado was, you know, in the playoffs with the Orioles. Uh, we, you know, they, they've got a great uh, – great core players there that that are going to fill in and and have no issue you know with with this Braves mm-hmm. team I think that's a that's exactly. a quick series there uh I'm just looking at stats so yeah I mean yeah I just I don't see Atlanta winning this series no I think it's gonna it's gonna take a lot for them to get there and and I think Oh, I Next like, year yeah, and the year anywhere. after are their years because uh, they look great. They're not going to go anywhere for a while. They have that his that team has a history of when they get for some sure. good players, and they then, hold on to them for also, a long time. I'm thinking of the other NLDS game. The other NLDS game tonight was Colorado uh, at Milwaukee. I think it's Colorado's third game, third game in three days or something like that in different time zones. Um, they were at home the other uh, a couple days ago. They had to go to LA to play a division a uh, division tiebreaker, and now are in uh, Central Time playing Milwaukee, and they uh, they lost three to two in extras. Which that, that scheduling just just has That's to exhausting. suck for the Rockies. That's exhausting. Sunday to Tuesday was their three game stretch, and then they yeah, had I know. they had yesterday off. That's too wild. That's, I mean, it is. It's too. That's too much. It's, it's, it's a wonder insane. that they've like they've been able to function. But uh, so okay. So before we sign off here, yeah. what's your call yep. on the Yankees Sox series? Well. I am a I am a huge Red Sox fan. Uh, I will not hide that. Um, you know, since I think since Manny Ramirez went there, just love the team. Um, this is huge for baseball. First off, just because it's Red Sox Yankees. Um, they're I think we looked at the schedule earlier, and they're all night games, trying to get the primetime market. You know, viewership. Um, I think it's. I think it's Red Sox in four. I think their pitching is is too good, um, you know, with Sale and Price and Porcello and, and all these guys. Their bullpen's great. I think they'll outpitch the Yankees, and I think the Yankees will get one um, at Yankee Stadium just through the, their sheer power uh, with Judge and Stanton and McCutcheon and, and some of the guys they've got. Uh, on their roster, they'll, they'll win a game with just their pure home run hitting. But I think the Red Sox are just gonna uh, 
single, double, home run, you know, couple couple easy bases between Betts and Martinez and Benintendi and, and Bogarts and Kinsler and everyone they got. I think they'll just they'll just wear out it the Yankees. And I think they win seven game five game series and four games. Because that's what the world deserves. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this this is the series everyone kind of thought we were going to get early in the year uh, when these two teams jumped out of the gate so quick, battling for first in the AL East, and then the Red Sox kind of pulled away um, mid season when the Yankees had some injuries. Um, you know, Red Sox made a made it a pretty uncatchable race, and you know, won won themselves 108 games. Um, but. It'd be nice if this was a seven-game series, uh, but I, you know, I think it's going to end up, you know, with yeah, the best. I'm excited. I'm excited for it. Yeah. You're right. It's great for the game of baseball. This is akin to like, I mean, they talk about like I'm thinking about college football because that's kind of the season we're in right now. Like, I mean, if if Alabama and Ohio when Alabama and Ohio State played each other in the college football playoff, like that, they ate that up. Because you do want your, you want your blue bloods playing each other. You want your, you know, arguably the Red Sox and the Yankees have two of the biggest fan bases. Like this is great for the sport. Um, it's great for a sport that is trying to make a comeback. So I think it'll be, I think it'll be good. I think they'll draw a lo- I think they'll draw high ratings for sure. Yeah, it definitely will, especially after just such a long season where, you know. No one, people pay attention in the summer, but it's it's hard to continually like watch every game or pay attention every day uh, to what's going on. Uh, it's going to be huge for baseball, and I feel bad for uh, for Indians and Astros fans because that's going to be a really great series. Those are two incredible teams, uh, defending world champions in the Astros and an Indians team that is really really good, and they're stuck with all day games. Yeah. Uh, starting at, I think, 2 o'clock tomorrow. Um, I feel bad for those fan bases that, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that can't go to these games um, in either city because of work, they and it, it's going to suck. Because uh, you know, those teams – yeah, I mean, those teams deserve to have people at those games that are invested, and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, if it's – People are people who have tickets are able to get out of work or school or whatever you know, however they have to to get to those games and support those teams. Because I feel bad for for those fan bases that have to try to watch them. Exactly. Yeah, know, I mean that's just, at that's two o'clock awful. while you're sitting like, I mean, at work. I, I really hate that for their fan bases, and I know they said that the games will flex. You know, they'll flex the times depending on what happens with Red Sox Yankees. I don't see that happening, and that's unfortunate. No. Um, the only way I could see it happening is if it's like a Sunday afternoon and they want to give the, well, they wouldn't even give the Red Sox Yankees a Sunday afternoon yeah, game because they don't want them going up against the NFL four o'clock games. They would just, they would just stick with the night game and have them square off against Sunday night football. And I feel like they would, they could win that, you know, in market number. Um, it's, yeah, I know. it's crazy. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I get it, but at the same time, it's a shame they couldn't get at least one primetime game. But that's that's the way it is with money and primetime and yeah. ratings. They're, you know, they know the money slot is going to be Red Sox-Yankees. So. 
Yeah, they, they know who people are going to tune in to watch, whether it's they hate both teams, they love one of the teams. Exactly. Whatever. They're, so people are going to tune in to watch that game. That kind of covers game. everything for this week. Yeah, there, there was not much this week. Um, the only other thing is that the NHL started, uh, but there's not too much out of that yet other than the Capitals won opening night, you know, by a, a large margin. I think it was six yes. to nothing uh, after raising the, their Stanley Cup banner. And the Pens. That's, that's beat really them the only tonight, big thing in the NHL. And, uh, in overtime. We'll see from there. <laughs> oh, wow. Seven to six. That's wow, uh, that's, that's that's interesting. The fact that it, it was a PAT away from from going to a shootout. <laughs> that's incredible. That's basically Seven just two six. touchdowns. <laughs> it was three two after one period. It was five four <laughs> after the second. That's yeah, wild. tied six. Jeez. No, I'm what glad a, they, this is the best. You can't tell me that this is not the best time of the year in yeah. sports. Oh, it absolutely is. The NBA is about to start. The NHL has started. Baseball playoffs are rolling. College football is back. The, NFL is back. Everything's going on that, right now. It's, it's, great. Actually, it's a great time. For I would not put it ahead of this. The other time of year that's good like this is spring, like right when March Madness is going on. Is baseball starting? We got this, you know, we're right in the middle of NBA. We're like, we're close to the playoffs. We're both the NBA and the NHL. It's kind of the same, but I I like this part this part of the year better because football's football's going on. But yeah, this is this is it does not get better than this. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, it's it's going to be a fun next couple weeks. Um, you know, whoever whoever ends up listening, um, one thank you. Um, you know, we're we're starting to get a feel for how we're going to do everything and a feel for for talking through computers to each other but uh thank you for listening uh janelle we will uh i will see you next week for the ohio state minnesota game yes kegs and eggs noon kickoff because that's what we all want to (laughs) say so all right (laughs) all right all right talk to you later janelle